Holy, holy, healthy, healthy, mama, mama, podcast, woohoo! Welcome to the Holy Healthy Mama podcast. I'm Kristen Noriega, your host, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and fellow Christian mom. I provide moms with practical, uncomplicated solutions so you can feed yourself and your family with confidence and lean into an active lifestyle. I'm on a mission to make health the standard, and I believe it starts in the family with mom at the core. So whether you're filled with holy guacamole, the Holy Spirit, or have no idea what either of those are, I've got you covered, friend. Thanks for listening. Hey friends, welcome back to Holy Healthy Mama. We are still in this Mother's Day month, and right now we're jumping into interview three. But here's the deal, it's reversed. This is my doula interviewing me for her YouTube channel. She uses this channel to highlight different aspects of birth, different aspects of breastfeeding, and it's really cool, so you need to check it out. The link is in the show notes. Rachel is a doula, and she's a newly certified uh, lactation consultant. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. She's an IBCLC, so an, a big deal in the world of breastfeeding consultants. And the way we connected was, in my area, she is the go-to doula. She is like top-notch, evidence-based, and every single person I know who chooses to use a doula has used Rachel and has just raved about her. So going into my third baby, you know who I got on board with. Okay, so what are we even talking about here? The deal is that my breast milk, when it's pumped, it tastes soapy. And Rachel, being a doula and a lactation consultant, she had to learn about this problem and this situation, but she had never met anybody who had actually had it occur to them. And neither had I. I had never learned about, you know, the potential problems of your breast milk taking, tasting sour or soapy, I guess soapy, once it was pumped. And you'll, you'll hear my journey to discovering this and how I worked through it. And that's the whole point here. We're in this Mother's Day month and I want to talk to you about feeding your children. And breastfeeding is one of those ways that we feed our children. And, you know, that's how I've been able to do it. I have been fortunate enough to have it work for me through some of these struggles that I've experienced. And I want you to know that if you choose to feed your child another way, I support you in that choice, my friend. <laughs> it worked, breastfeeding worked for me, and if it didn't work for you, that's okay. If you are providing for your child, doing the best that you can, feeding them with love, no matter what it is, then you're doing a good job. All right, so let's get to this interview. And she's here to talk to us about excess lipase in breast milk and her experience breastfeeding her three babies through her excess lipase. So, um, good morning, Kristen. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for being here and for motivating um, to get this done because I haven't done a video in a long time. So it's good to be back on track. Um, so Chris and I, I don't remember how we started having this conversation, but I had take, I had listened to a lecture about milk that tastes sour, like pumped milk that then tastes really funny. And Kristen actually had personal experience with this. So why don't you tell us kind of how you discovered this and, and what happened? All right. So I've, uh, I was committed to breastfeeding my first child. He was born in 2015. This is relevant in a minute. And um, I was, I had a job where I didn't have to leave him. I could take him. So we didn't emphasize the bottle right away. We were breastfeeding, everything was going great. And then um, a few months into it, he, when I needed to use the bottle, he just refused and refused and refused. And we had different people try, we had, you know, we tried every tip. And one of my babysitters said, this milk smells sour. And I'm like, well, that's offensive. <laughs> it's great, it's gold. <laughs> And we just kind of just, I let it go. It wasn't that big of a deal with him. Baby number two is in 2017. I'm working. So, oh, go ahead. You, did you never get baby one to take a bottle? Never. never and he wouldn't, he wouldn't take it from a cup. He wouldn't take it no matter what. I couldn't do it. He just, I mean, it might have just been an aversion. It might have been stubborn. But I think excess lipase was the main contributing factor. I had tried frozen milk. Um, I don't know that I even really emphasized fresh milk because I didn't know that was part of the situation here, the problem. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so moving to baby two, I'm at a job where he ha I, he, my baby has to take a bottle. Not this one, <laughs> my other one. Um, he had to take a bottle and we get to about six weeks. He's about six weeks old and I'm going to go back to work and I can't get him to take a bottle. And again, I'm re I, this time I'm researching and I, I find one little blog about excess lipase and how to overcome it and how it can make your milk taste soapy. And I, so I'm, I go and grab some pumped milk and I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. It does taste like soap. No wonder my poor babies have never wanted to drink it. I've been poisoning them with soapy milk. And so with the first baby, did you ever, you didn't actually ever taste it? No, because yeah. that seemed really strange to me. I, I don't know, maybe I should have. And, um, had well, you I wouldn't really suspect that it's that the milk tastes bad. He takes it from your breast, right? So right. you wouldn't think about that. Yeah. Right. Like, he likes my breast milk, so why yeah, do I, I don't even know what it tastes right. like? That's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. irrelevant to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I taste it with my second baby, and I'm like, this is sick. And I keep doing research and realize I have about five hours before my milk turns soapy tasting. And um, uh, let's see. So... I had to do a whole bunch of taste tests. I would taste it immediately pumped uh, after one hour, after two hours. And I had my babysitter, it just happened to be the same lady, help me do some double blind studies with my <laughs> little infant. <laughs> I would label A, B, C, and I'd be like, 
you let me know which one he'll drink for you today. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it just, it had to happen. And so that one little blog that I found was key. There was at the time. And of course I was an overwhelmed mom. I had two kids. I was working part-time and you know, my husband was gone. That's a military life for us. But so I probably could have done more thorough research at the time, but that one little blog that I found was enough to get me going in the right direction. Um, baby number three, she still has issues with a bottle, but now it's like nothing figuring out this, getting through the excess lipase, overcoming the barriers. Okay, so let's stop here and let's talk about what is lipase and, and what is this thing that happens at the five hour mark? Like, break it, walk us through the science of it. The science. Pulling up my notes so I can make sure I have it all right here. Because I am not a biochemist, I am a dietitian. And a well, we're not going to know if you're wrong. <laughs> right? But yeah, we do want to present accurate information. So, right. So, okay. so, so, what's lipase? Lipase is an enzyme that breaks down fats. There's two different types in the milk. Um, one is bile salt stimulated lipase, and that's um, the lipase that. It's in the milk, but it breaks down the lipase once it gets into the infant's gut. So it works with pancreatic lipase and gastric lipase in the baby to break apart the fat. Okay. And so fats are lipids, so there's the lip part, and anything with A's is an enzyme, right? Okay. Right. So the enzyme that breaks down fats, lipase. Okay. And this is super significant because breast milk is mostly fats it's mostly triglycerides and those are the that's what lipase is acting on and they need the triglycerides to i mean to grow and that's their source of food. brain food right there yeah. Yeah. yeah it's important stuff okay yeah. okay so we have the bile salt stimulated lipase and then we have lipoprotein lipase now there is not a known function in milk or in the newborn, um, from what I can find. I've, this is just the research that I've found to explain the situation. So lipoprotein lipase is what causes the bad fat breakdown during storage. And this is the one that can be found in excess in breast milk. Okay, so storage in the baby? storage in the refrigerator or somewhere oh okay 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 got it it's a little confusing i'm not a biochemist <laughs> that's okay no neither are we so we're gonna walk through this slowly yeah. okay so when there's too much of this lipoprotein lipase mm -hmm. what happens to the milk you've got the milk out you've pumped it it's in your little bottle you put it in the fridge proper storage. what happens to the milk what happens to the milk yeah, so what's now happening after however so, many hours? If you have a lot of this lipase, it's going to break down the, um, what's it called? The? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the milk fat globule membrane. So it's like um, <clears throat> the lipase is going to break down this milk fat globule membrane, and it's going to let the triglycerides break down earlier. Then 
once it's like in the gut of the baby. So it's gonna break down like in the bottle or the bag or wherever you pumped it too. It's breaking down the fat and it's essentially making your milk go rancid, make it taste soapy. Yeah. But um, if it goes straight into the baby's mouth, into the baby's tummy, it doesn't have that opportunity to turn rancid or soapy or gross. Well, that happens in the baby's belly, so nobody tastes it. That happens right. afterwards. Right. Okay. So it's not an issue. It's only an issue if you're pumping and you have excess lipase. Well, and I remember I almost skipped past this lecture because I thought it just sounded so random and weird. So it was really cool. <laughs> like you had actually had this happen. And I'm sure there are a ton of moms out there who, you know, yeah, you wouldn't even think to try the milk. Of course, you're going to think that it's the mode of, of feeding because the baby takes the milk fine from the breath. Like nobody would think of something like this. Mm-hmm. So and I'm sure. You know, when I was researching this with baby one and baby two, there wasn't even an article on Kelly mom, you know, the. Yeah end all be all for breastfeeding resources, kellymom.com. I trust them and I bet you do too. Um, There wasn't a resource. And when I was looking up for this lecture, some information, there's an article now and it was dated 2018. And I'm thinking, ah, dang, that's why I couldn't find anything in 2015 or 17. So it's people are talking about it now. It's a problem that people are more aware of. So instead of I wonder how common it is. We probably don't know yet because people are just kind of starting to to like figure it out and talk to each other. Yeah, I don't think it's that common. It's not. They don't know how common it is. Right. Right. And a lot of women, if your baby, if you have to go back to work and you have to express milk, they, you, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to just give up and go just switch to formula and do some sort of combination and then you know the general path of that is ultimately you end up switching to formula most of the times and just rule out breastfeeding well if you have no other way to get around it but there is a way right there There is a way way. there is a way way. (laughs) okay so of course you want to taste test and see if your milk tastes soapy. Once you've identified that it tastes soapy, you got to fix this problem so you can feed your baby the milk. So you pump milk and you have to scald it before it turns sour, soapy, gross. You have to scald it in a pan on the pot, on the pot, on the stove. Scald it in a pan till it reaches 183 degrees, and then you take it off and rapidly cool it. There's some different resources that say different temperatures. This is the one that I found works for me. I scald it to 183 degrees. It just gets bubbly right around the edge, not a full boil, and then you remove it and rapidly cool it in a bowl that's filled like you pour it back into a clean bottle and put it in an ice bath and it cools back down to um temperature and then you can store it and it doesn't taste soapy okay and could you just throw it in the freezer or no it has to be like in an ice bath like what if you put it in a bottle and throw it in the freezer do you think that would work hmm, or you haven't tried it i haven't tried that i I rapidly cool it and then put it into a storage bag and then put it in the freezer for later use. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would feel, I think the ice bath would probably like cool it a lot more quickly. I think that's like the standard. It would still be hot in the freezer for a little while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The ice bath brings it back down real quickly. Okay. Um, yeah. So extra step, there's a little more work, but at least there's an option available for moms who find themselves in this predicament. Yeah. So when I was going through this the first time I was only working four hours a day. So I could pump at work and get home in time to scald my milk. If someone's working full time and they can't do that, they have to figure out how to scald their milk at work. And so a lot of people will use the bottle warming method where they take a bottle warmer and they have um, just this whole setup. It takes maybe a total of 10 minutes to get start to finish. You can find this on kellymom.com now because it's 2019. <laughs> I'm an, I'll post that article. The process is there um, to walk you through it and doing it at home is so different from doing it at work and so the women who have to do it at work that's something to figure out. Yeah okay well, I'm amazed that there even is a way to do it at work because it's already hard not to find time to pump at work for a lot of moms. Oh my gosh yeah so, right. right but there is a way so they can you know yeah. choose whether they want to pursue that or not. And so if you have already this whole stash of milk that's rancid, you can't feed it to your baby. But what you can do is you can donate it because milk banks will accept it because most of the time they, they pull the milk between all the donations. It gets blended together and mixed up. And the majority of the time it's fed through a tube feeding straight to the gut. So the majority of babies who are receiving donated milk aren't going to taste it. It's just going to go straight into their stomach, give them the nutrients they need. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was able to donate all the milk that I had um, pumped with my second baby. And plus I just kept going. So if I didn't make it home in time to scald it and I had kept it cool and stored it appropriately, then I would still freeze it and keep it to donate later on. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you can do some good with it. Don't, don't fret. I mean, obviously you're going to fret if your milk tastes like milk, but that you can overcome it in various different ways. Well, yeah. And that, that's a really, I had no idea that makes part of course it's fed to them through a tube. So, you know, those preemies, you know, can definitely, and I think it's something like 50 ounces of donated milk will be, can get a preemie through, like, it's a ridiculous, it's much longer. <laughs> amount of time than you would think yeah. um so anyway okay well um is there anything else you wanted to add any other tips or tricks or anything i think people are going to find this really really useful um because i bet there's more moms out here who just never figured it out and maybe this was it there is something else if you find yourself in a situation where scalding the milk doesn't make it taste better excess lipase isn't your problem. It's probably dietary factors that are making your milk taste funny. So you would want to look at your intake of polyunsaturated fatty acids, which are like omega-3s and flaxseed. Those can affect the taste because of the oxidation that they undergo during storage. And those are the good ones, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the ones we're supposed to be eating, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You want to look at your intake of vitamin E and C. Um, are you eating anchovies? Because that's shown to make your milk taste funny. Um, and then you want to look at 
um, iron and copper in your diet. So I would say if you go through this whole process and you scald your milk and it still tastes gross, work with a dietitian, work with a lactation consultant, work with your physician to figure out what's going on. Yeah. It's, okay. it's something else. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and are I mean, are you available? Do you do private consultations and stuff like that? Or um, I am working on building my online business. Um, I can be reached via email. Um, do you, am I supposed to say that? Kristen.noriega.rdn at gmail.com. Or I, the website I'm building is holyhealthymama.com. That's M-A-M-A. Um, because I just have this passion for connecting with women and moms and helping them to figure out how to feed their families the best way. And of course, I think breastfeeding is one of the amazing ways. And if you have some sort of barrier that's getting in the way, let's figure it out and get mm -hmm. past that so you can make the healthy decisions you want to. Well, yeah, and it's it's very disappointing for women who have planned on breastfeeding and they know all the benefits and they just want to have that relationship. It's it's a real blow when there's like a, a barrier like this or something comes up and you realize that maybe you're not going to be able to do it the way that you wanted to. And so, yeah, if we can fix it, then then great. You know, Definitely. that means a lot to, to those moms. So, Definitely. okay. Well, cool. And I think you gave me like your Instagram and everything else. So I will post all that stuff um, in the comments when we get this up. The last, last thing is I want to caution moms when you're pumping, don't pump to feed your freezer, pump to feed your baby. There's a lot of competition when you see freezers dashes with hundreds and hundreds of ounces and it makes you feel inadequate. You probably don't need that much. No. You just need to feed enough, pump enough to feed your baby. So take the pressure off of yourself and, you know, make that a mental health conscious decision. Like you don't need to pump thousands of ounces, just enough to feed your baby. Well, and that's the thing. If you are going through that stash, then you're going to drive your supply down. You should really only be pumping what you need to feed the baby the next day. And there's a great blog on that called The Myth of the Freezer Stash which kind of goes through all these other reasons why, but yes, that's absolutely true. I, I, I always, I'm like, you do not need a freezer full of milk to go back to work. No, I mean, yeah. a little bit in case there's an emergency or something, whatever gives you peace of mind. Okay, so that was the interview we had. It's on her YouTube channel. You can find it and other factual research-based information about birthing and breastfeeding on her channel. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you have any questions, reach out to me. If you're experiencing this condition, reach out to me. Head to my blog because there's more information on this. That's kristinnoriaganutrition.com slash blog. And you will find lots of helpful, helpful information. So I hope you snag your free ebook, head to the blog, and then, you know, maybe dabble on over to that other tab that says tribe for information about how to join a community of women who are working towards their health goals. Take care. All right. Thanks for listening to Holy Healthy Mama. If you loved the show, please leave me a five-star review. It will help with the show's visibility, initial and long-term success, and it will make my heart happy. All right, friends. 
Love your babies, say your prayers, and eat your greens.